0: Welcome to Woodlong. We're so glad that you've joined us. Now today I want to tell you about a young girl who wrote a prayer letter to a missionary and she was trying to lend her support. She said she had been told to request no response to her letter since the missionary was busy. So the missionary received the letter from the girl and she read it and he got a kick out of what her last comment was. It said, Dear Mr. Missionary, We are praying for you, but we are not expecting a response. (laughs) That was not exactly what she was trying to communicate. She was expecting an answer to prayer. She just didn't expect for him to write something back. Sadly, though, the little girl summarized the prayer life of many Christians today. We do a lot of praying, but we don't always expect an answer to our prayers. Why doesn't God answer? We're going to look at that today. Now, last week we asked the question, who is God looking for? And the answer was those who know Him intimately. Today we have a new question that we want to ask, and it is, what does God want to give us? God gives spiritual riches to those who ask for them. Now, when we pray for ourselves, those are prayers of petition, But when we pray for other people, those are prayers of intercession. We've been taught to pray for others so much that sometimes I think we feel guilty to pray for ourselves. I have to confess that I've felt guilty at times when I've prayed for something for me personally, for my family, even though it was a need, somehow in my mind I didn't want to bother God and I struggled with that. So I prayed some time for a need to be answered after I got through that struggle and God answered my prayer. But then when I had another need right after that, I didn't want to pray about it because God had just answered my first prayer. I finally confessed to the Lord that I didn't deserve what he gave me in the first place and I felt guilty asking for more from him. The Lord, with his sense of humor, reminded me, Joe, you didn't deserve the first thing I gave you, and you don't deserve the second thing, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Many times we need to ask, but we ask for too little. We justify the logic by saying, well, God, he can't really, he doesn't want to deal with anything big for us. If he would just do something little for me, that would be fine. When we do that, we start playing God. We're trying to protect the Lord from knowing our hearts. And he says, you don't have to do that. God doesn't need our protection. We just need to be honest with him. God says, why don't you let me be God? And you tell me what your needs are without reservation. And then you let me determine the answer. Now, one of the first things I want us to see today is this. We can have confidence in approaching God. Whenever you and I go to the throne of God to pray, hey, we're His children. We can talk to Him. We can have confidence in knowing that He loves us and He's listening. Our confidence is based on who God is, not on ourselves. One of the mistakes we make when we pray is we start thinking about our own sinfulness and our own shortcomings, and we're always thinking about ourselves And that's not really what we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about who God is and what he wants to do in our lives. And when we get the focus right, then it changes our whole perspective. God is a holy God, and sometimes when we compare ourselves to him, Satan can use that as a trick to trap us into praying and thinking, well, God's really not going to answer a big prayer. Maybe I'm just not worth it. I compare myself to God, and there's nothing special about me, and I come up short. But if we focus on God, the perspective is totally different. We're forgiven children, and he loves us. Our confidence in approaching God comes from who god is not from who we're not and since we know that god hates sin here's another incorrect assumption we often make if god hates sin then he hates me because i'm a sinner i'm just saved by grace but that's not really true god hates sin but he's always willing to forgive sin if we'll just ask Our confidence also comes in what God has already said and done. In Romans 8, Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Paul is saying that he was willing to give his son to die for us. Surely he will do what we need in spiritual blessings so that we might be all we can be for him. Our confidence is also based on God's good faith invitation to us. Did you know it says this in Hebrews, the fourth chapter? Approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, in the first chapter of Luke, Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth are praying for a child. And here's what it says in that scripture. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in their years. And then an angel appeared to Zechariah. He had been praying And the angel of the Lord appeared, and when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear your son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he is great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom and righteousness, to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? He said, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. See, Zechariah found it hard to believe that God was going to answer his prayer because Zechariah had given up on that prayer long ago. But when the angel said your prayer has been heard, the word heard there, it it needs to be translated like this. It literally meant it's already happened. God has answered your prayer. You just haven't seen the manifestation of it yet. Now, I want you to think about that. When you and I pray, sometimes God's already said yes. We just haven't seen the results yet. So don't give up in your prayer life. The entire Bible is summarized of why God answers prayer with two statements, and here they are. God answers prayer for our growth and for His glory. He wants us to grow, and He wants to be glorified so that others might be drawn to Him. Confident prayer is available for all true believers. Now, second, there are conditions for approaching God. One of the conditions in First John, the fifth chapter, is very clear. Those who ask, receive. I mean, anybody can understand that. And then in Matthew 7, it says, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You see, God loves us, and he's going to respond just like we respond to our children. And in James, uh, the book of James, in the fourth chapter, he tells his readers, You do not have... Because you do not ask God. You've got to ask in order for that to happen. You see, askers receive from God. Non-askers don't receive. Another condition for answered prayer is that we must ask in faith. In the book of Acts, it talks about character and promises and plans of God, and they're very real. And then in James, the first chapter, it says, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Askers must believe that the true God is going to be true to His Word, and He will always deliver to us His promises. Another condition for answered prayer is that we need to ask with a clean heart and an obedient spirit. David reminds us in Psalm 66, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. And then John says in 1 John, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his command and we do what pleases him. Another condition for answered prayer is that we need to ask in accordance with God's will. In other words, if you and I were to pray, God, would you just fill me with the fruit of the Spirit? Now, we know from God's Word that He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit. So if I pray that, is that in accordance with His will? Absolutely. Absolutely. He wants us to have the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit can offer. If I were to ask for wisdom and spiritual enlightenment and a closer walk with God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, I would be asking in accordance with God's will, wouldn't I? Another condition for answered prayer would be persistence. Jesus taught a couple of parables about this. I'm not going to talk about them a lot, but I want you to read them for yourselves after a while. In Luke, the 11th chapter, verses 5 through 8, it's the parable of the friend at midnight. Read that for yourself. And then also in Luke 18, 1 through 8, it's the parable of the persistent widow. And here, here are people who are praying, but they have to wait. As we go on praying, it's usually because that God is working something out inside of us. His temporarily withholding an answer to prayer does two things. It grows our faith and it increases our clarity of vision about what God is doing. As a parent, one of the hardest concepts for my children when they were little was the difference between no and not yet. Why? Well, because immature people don't understand the difference between no and not yet. The mark of maturity in the Christian life is how long can you wait? Why does God delay our answers to prayer? usually it's because he needs to prepare something in us first before he answers. If our daughter Catherine came to me when she was 12 and said, Daddy, can I take the car and go out tonight? I'd have to say, no, you can't do that yet. You're not old enough. You don't have a license. You haven't practiced. You don't have the maturity it's going to take to drive a car. You need to wait until you grow up a little bit more. But later on, you can do that. You see, it's just not yet. It's not right now. God often wants to answer our prayers for us, but He wants us to grow. God is more interested in making us mature than He is in making our lives easy. Another thing is, God is never late. His timing is always perfect. His delays are not denials. Not yet does not mean no. So we keep praying until one of three things happens. First. Until we get an answer. When we pray and we get an answer, we don't have to pray about that anymore. We've got the answer. Second, we get an assurance of the answer, that the answer is coming. God just speaks to us through his spirit and says, it's going to come, but it's going to take time. And we just trust him and believe in that. And then third, you keep praying until God reveals to you that it's not his will. You're praying about it. You can't get comfortable about it. You can't get a peace about it. And you just know, hey, I need to stop praying about this. I need to pray about something else. Uh, Let's just move on and not deal with this. Because God delivers on his promises according to his timetable. And then third and finally, we can have certainty in petitioning God because God hears us and he hears us favorably. When you ask in accordance with God's will, God is smiling because you're asking for something that will please Him. Then we keep a lookout for the answer to our prayer so we won't miss it when it comes. And when the Lord gives us what we've asked for, we need to remember that He is a specific God. And if we ask for wisdom, He's not going to give us power. And if we ask for power, He's not going to give us joy. He's going to give us the thing that we're asking for. God's way of giving may also surprise us sometimes. If we ask for faith, he may send us trials in order to grow our faith. If we ask for the ability to love, he may send some unlovable people into our lives to give us an opportunity to practice loving unconditionally. We must be willing to let God answer our prayers in his own way. God's ways are always better than ours. In Isaiah, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Another story in the Bible is in Mark, the fifth chapter, and it's about a synagogue ruler named Jairus. He has a 12-year-old daughter who's sick and dying. And one day he comes to Jesus in the crowd. He says, my daughter is sick. She's dying. Please come and help her. So Jesus starts walking with him. But there's another lady who has a problem. This woman's been ill for 12 years. She's had a hemorrhage in her body and she cannot stop bleeding. She slips up behind Jesus in the crowd. She touches the back of his robe and Jesus stops and turns around and says, who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you talking about who touched me? You're in a crowd. He said, I felt a touch and I felt power go from my body. And Jesus stops and hears the woman's story, and he heals her right there. Now, remember, Jairus is still walking with Jesus. Jesus has stopped to take care of this woman. He stopped to talk to her. He stopped to pray for her and to heal her. And now they need to go on, and he's asking, who touched me? You know, if I if I had been there, I probably would have said, Jesus, who cares who touched you? It doesn't make any difference. There's a whole lot of people around you. What difference does it make? My daughter is dying. Can you come and save her? Let's go. But Jesus stops. He listens to the woman. He responds to her and he prays for her and heals her. And then what happens is there's a delay. And as a result of the delay, jeriah's servants come from the house. And they say, never mind. It's too late. Just send the master back. Your daughter has already died. But Jesus turns to Jairus and says, don't worry about it. Just keep on believing. And Jesus and Jairus just keep walking to the house. And when they go in, he raises that little girl from the dead. When you are waiting for an answer to prayer, watch for God to work in other people's lives and it will build your faith. Let me give you an example. Laura and I we were going through infertility. We were praying for a baby. We had signed up with the Children's Home Society in Pensacola. We were waiting to see our child. You signed up and you just waited and that's what happened and it went on for some years. And then somebody else we knew with the Children's Home Society got their baby. And we looked at each other and we said, it really does happen. It's taking time. But one day we're going to get a baby. And then we did get a baby. And once we got that baby, we were so thankful. And we said, now we're going to sign up for another child. And we did. And we were on the waiting list. And they almost gave us another child just about two years after we got Elizabeth. But there was another couple. And they happened to be in our church. And they were waiting for a baby, too. And we were so much at peace, we'd already gotten one, and they got that baby. And we said, well, good. They need, that's their first child. They need that baby. And when they saw us get a baby, it made them relax and know someday they would get a baby as well. Whenever you see prayer answered for somebody else, it really is an encouragement to you. Now let's go back to the story we looked at a few minutes ago where Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth were praying for the baby. What would have happened if their prayer had just been answered very quickly and they would have had a baby? Well, they would have gotten the cherished baby that they always wanted and loved and everything would have been fine. But God delayed in their request for a number of years. And when he answered, he gave them a very special baby. He gave them the cousin of Jesus Christ. He gave them John the Baptist. Our problem is when we pray, we ask God for too little and we want it too quickly. We don't dream big enough, and we don't pray big enough. We aim too low. But in Ephesians, the third chapter of the Bible says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. God has spiritual riches that he wants to give us, and we just need to ask him for those. The greatest example of that is in Paul in Romans chapter 1. Paul has a desire and a motive in life and an ultimate dream, and a goal. he wants to go to Rome and he wants to preach the gospel so that people might be saved. He says in Romans chapter 15, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has not been known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Did God answer Paul's prayer? Exactly, he answered his prayer. But I want you to notice how he did it. In Acts, the 28th chapter, Luke is talking about Paul. And he says, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Now, what did Paul have in mind? He wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel to a large crowd of people. He wanted to have a revival there. And what happened to him? He went to Rome as a prisoner under house arrest. He had written to others and said, pray for me that I might have a prosperous journey. What kind of journey did Paul have? Well, let's say he was shipwrecked, he was bound in chains, it was the middle of winter and he was very cold, he was bitten by a snake. That's not exactly a typical Mediterranean cruise, is it? But Paul made it to Rome even though it was not the way he expected. And he was submissive to God to let God work it out the way he wanted to. And how did he get there? He went through Felix, then he went through Agrippa, and then he went through Caesar, all these different Roman leaders. Sometimes God answers our prayers through the most unlikely people. And even though Paul wanted to go to Rome and preach, God sent Paul to Rome to write. And while Paul was in Rome under house arrest, he wrote a bunch of letters to a lot of different Christians all over the Mediterranean, and they put that together, and that's called the New Testament now, all because Paul was willing to do things God's way. Paul was so active, the only way God could slow him down was to put him in jail, and that's what he did, and he wrote the New Testament. Paul's real desire was to make an impact for Christ on the world. And he thought the best way to do that was preach. Now what made the best impact? Him preaching for a few days in Rome or him writing to people and we're still reading the books today that he wrote. Now listen, listen to me carefully. Sometimes when you pray, the request is not right and God says no. Sometimes when you pray, You are not right, and God says, Grow. Sometimes when you pray, the timing is not right, and God says, Slow. And sometimes when you pray, everything is in place, and God says, Go. The rules for asking in the kingdom are simple ask nothing, receive nothing. Ask some, receive some. Ask much, receive much. God wants to give us his very best perfect will. He knows what's best. Do we get what we ask for? We do if we ask for his will and accept it. It may not be the way we thought it was going to happen, but it will be, and it will be best. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you're in charge. You know so much better than we do. Lord, we just thank you that you answer prayer and the details of how you do it or when you do it, those really don't matter because you're going to use all of that for our benefit, our growth, and your glory. And Lord, we surrender and submit to that today and we just continue to pray seeking you and your ways. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.